I'm your host Flavia and welcome to this week's episode of the EcoScoop. This week on the show we welcome Abby Davidson. She's going to be chatting to us about her approach to fashion and the ways that she's trying to build a more sustainable wardrobe. So if you're really interested in fashion and or you are looking for some tips on how to be more sustainable when it comes to what you wear, this is the episode for you. If after the episode you want to follow Abby's journey and get some style inspiration while you're at it, you can find her on Instagram at plus size fantasy. To end the show, as usual, I'll be speaking to Emma Smith. She's going to be bringing us some details on the Earthshot Prize Award Ceremony, which took place over the weekend. And to end the show, if you're looking for a feel-good animal story, make sure you listen to the very, very end. And we hope you enjoy this week's episode. So with me today, I've got Abby Davidson, who is a little bit of an Instagram influencer with a keen interest in fashion. Um, Abby, you recently started sort of experimenting with fashion a little bit more, and you started your own Instagram page to kind of show that journey of yours. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about your page? Um, yeah, um, I think you're being pretty generous calling me an Instagram influencer, to be honest there, Flavia, um, <laughs> but I'll take it where I can. Yeah, so basically back... Um, last March time um I just was like getting like obviously things were starting to unlock as in like lockdown was finishing mm. and we were starting to get back out into the world and I was like I really need to like spice up my style a bit like yeah. I can't just be wearing leggings and jumpers everywhere I go so I like delved into the world of <laughs> Instagram fashion and ever since I've just like had a color explosion in my life and now I don't even know like I've met so many amazing people on it it's such a great way to kind of like get new ideas and express your own creativity mm. um, and that's kind of what I was aiming for but like it's grown a lot bigger than what I thought it was gonna be anyway not that it's that big but yeah for me it's like my own little community no, I love it. I mean, I follow your page. And I think like what you're just saying, I think a lot of people can relate with that because there was that period in lockdown where everyone kind of fell into a routine of maybe not leaving the house as much as we were used to and maybe getting a bit too comfortable with our joggers and leggings. Um, so I, I found it really inspiring, actually, to kind of like see you trying out these different looks on Instagram. It kind of made me want to make a bit more of an effort and maybe ditch the leggings a little bit more. So I love it. And I think you've done it amazingly well. Um so like we were chatting the other week and we were talking about, you know, building sustainability into fashion. And you mentioned that this is something you've been trying to do. So do you want to kind of talk to us a little bit about that? Why why was that important to you? Because I feel like a lot of Instagram influencers that focus on fashion um, tend to perhaps not, you know, value the sustainability element of it as much. So it's really refreshing to see that you really wanted to, you know, build an element of sustainability into your sort of style. Um, but yeah, how did that come about? Why was that important to you? I feel like I've always kind of been like aware of those kind of issues. Um, but when I started to delve a bit more into like fashion Instagram, I realised that everybody who was influencer, inverted commas, mm. was getting gifted all these things right. from these like 
big fast fashion companies and they were promoting on their page. Everyone was wearing like the same three things like in all their posts. Um, and obviously like people are doing massive hauls. And not that there's anything intrinsically wrong with those things. It's just that the, that these people have massive followings and um, obviously they're influencing yeah. the people that, that are following them. So like I thought even with my small following, I didn't really want to do that. So you'll like if you look through my feed, you will see that I am constantly using the same dress and just like layering it with different things. Like I just wear like the same trainers pretty much every day. Like a little bit of variation, but mm. you know, I don't wear a new outfit every single day. I feel like that would be wrong, like a wrong image to be given off to people. Yeah. Um but yeah, like I just I think it would be wrong to go onto that kind of platform and give to people the impression that they need to constantly be buying new clothes yeah like that would just be so harmful um yeah yeah. (laughs) no and I think I think that's really important because that what you do kind of not wearing the same things all the time because you don't do that but sort of building outfits around different pieces like staple pieces like skirts and stuff I think is really important because it's a much more realistic aspiration for you know day-to-day fashion you know most of us do have staple pieces and sometimes we may just not know how to make them a bit more versatile so I really love that you do that Um, and you actually touched on something that I wanted to speak to you about which is the sort of influence that fashion influencers like those that you were just talking about have on their audience in terms of promoting that unsustainable um, sort of uh, habits, so to speak. Um, Do you think that, you know, that obviously I think you do, you do think, but do you think that it creates sort of this expectation within followers and people who see these posts to kind of aspire to buy more all the time to kind of keep up with trends and keep up with, I don't know, whatever the coolest thing is I guess yeah I do think so like I have um friends myself that like if you knew you were going out they'd be like oh I really need to go get a new dress now Mm. and I'd be like uh I mean not that I haven't done that before because I have I'm guilty but like I just I I just stop him and I'm like do you though surely there's something in your wardrobe you haven't worn for a while that you could wear to this event or like they're like somebody seen me wear them before and I was like what what do you mean like is that a big deal like I think people um are maybe like (sighs) taking it too seriously the fact that like style doesn't need to be constantly changing yeah like each piece doesn't have to be constantly changing like what you were saying about you have you build like your your collection of pieces in your wardrobe and then you work out how to use all of those in different ways to make new outfits rather than yeah. just buying a whole new set of things to make a new outfit. Um, I, But yeah, no, I think you're right. I think people definitely do get quite easily influenced, um, especially these big, big, big influencers. Like, I don't know, like Molly May, for example. Obviously, recently she became like the new well some kind of director in PLT mm. and everyone was like what that makes no sense like I hope she's gonna teach like teach her audience that they shouldn't be so focused on you know fast fashion stuff because that's kind of what she's promoted through her mm. stuff 
um, and like luxury fashion and that type of thing as well, obviously, which is a whole different thing. A whole um, different issue. A whole different issue, which like, it's so problematic. But anyway, I, yes. So it's just like people like that, I think are mere, more the issue, not like maybe the micro influencers. They're like kind of feeding off the big ones. It's kind of yeah. like trickling down, I suppose. Yeah. And I think, I, don't, I, I mean, I wonder what you think about this as well. But like you were saying that people have that fear of wearing repeat outfits. And I feel like maybe that's an impact from a lot of the time that we spend on social media and all these influencers posting new outfits. And we obviously pay a lot of attention to it because, you know, there aren't that many of them in our lives. But actually, when you're out in the real world, I think people have almost this weird perception of how much attention people pay, pay to what you wear like we almost feel like because there's these people on our social media that are always wearing these exciting outfits and we really care about that that we go out into the world and we think that everyone is judging us for you know wearing the same outfit and I don't know I don't know if you agree with that but that's just maybe something that I've noticed I think I think it's really unhealthy I've been guilty of it um and luckily I've kind of changed a bit in that sense I've but yeah, I think that's part of the problem as well. Yeah, that's probably like an interesting way to look at it. Because um, obviously you're not walking into Belfast and seeing a flood of influencers like surrounding yeah. you. Obviously, like there are people who dress class around Belfast, like, yeah, but they're usually the people who aren't influencers. <laughs> they're usually the people who are just like shopping in like charity shops and like finding really cool pieces. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably a right conclusion to make on that um actually speaking of um actually like you know some of the the cool people that we see around Belfast and and their shopping habits how do you build sustainability into your wardrobe is it more for you about sort of being thrifty with what you've got using secondhand shops or is it more about using sustainable brands because I think when people think oh I want to be more sustainable with my fashion and the stuff that I'm wearing there's actually a lot of ways you can go down and do that so I'm interested in how you do that how you make it work for you I think when I have conversations with people about this the number one thing for people in my kind of age obviously like early 20s is thrifting and depop and buying secondhand vintage clothes like I own quite a few secondhand things um or like personally I don't think it's always the best way for everyone mm. I would be like because I'm more like a size 16 18 it's much more difficult to thrift yeah. than it would be for maybe someone who's more like a 10 to 12 kind of size so obviously there's barriers that are put in place with that type of thing um, but if you can, and if you find the like the right the right places to look, you're obviously going to find some really amazing pieces. So I do have lots of thrift stuff. I also have stuff that I've owned since I was about twelve, um, which I just like miraculously. If it still fits me, I will try and use it. Um, so I don't actually tend to throw out a lot of stuff. The only stuff I really would like throw out is things that have actually like physically can't really be worn. Because mm. unfortunately, I'm not DIY enough to fix things. Um, maybe I'll get there someday. Um, and then, yeah, sustainable brands, I think, is a really good thing for me. Because also a lot of sustainable brands I've found recently would cater to, like, a good range of sizes and stuff. Um, like, I think the great example of that is, like, Lucy and Yak. And their sizing goes up, like, much bigger than most, like, mainstream brands would go. Um, there's also, like, a great local brand called By Ellen. Mm. and she makes some really fab stuff like she makes it all herself in her That's studio amazing. um yeah so check them out um and 
there, there's loads of people I could name probably, to be honest. Um, like Moldy, all these kind of, there are lots of Instagram small businesses. That's kind of how I found most of them. Mm. Um, but if you delve in there, you'll find something that works for you. Um, I think there's obviously some bars with that also in that it can it can get quite expensive. Um, like you're looking probably upwards of 50 pounds for some of these things, mm. which for a student isn't probably the best budget. But if you pick your pieces carefully, then you're going to get things that you can wear a lot more often than yeah. the like bulk of stuff you bought in Premark that probably will last you like a couple of months. So yeah. that's kind of my take on it anyway. No, I completely agree with you. And I, and I think you raised like another really interesting point is that a lot of the mainstream fashion industries tend to be quite exclusionary as well. Like you were talking about sort of the range of sizes they cater for and also the range of shapes they cater for. Like some of the stuff just isn't workable for some people. Um, so I think it's really interesting as well that there's an added benefit to maybe going towards these more sustainable brands that are a bit more exclu- inclusionary and they're more sustainable as well. And I really like what you're saying about being careful with what you buy and the point of like, how many times did I go into Primark with a bag full of stuff that I maybe wore like twice and then some of it would get washed once and it would come back not how it went in and I'm not entirely sure how, but yeah, Primark's definitely one to stay away from, I think. Um, so in terms of like secondhand shop, you mentioned Depop. Do you have like any other shops that are go-to? I think Depop's pretty big now. Like most people have an awareness of Depop and have used Depop. Like I use it all the time now. But have you got any other secondhand shopping tips for the listeners? Um, I actually don't really use Depop that much. Um, I gave it a go and then decided it wasn't really for me. But I've used Vinted quite a lot. Okay. Um, and it's basically like another online secondhand platform. I find that you get like a lot more actual secondhand stuff and less stuff that's being like bought up and sold on. Like it's more yeah. like just stuff that's come straight from people's wardrobes, which makes it one more affordable. And two, you kind of get more like interesting things because mm. um, you're probably going to be looking for things like that other people wouldn't be like looking for, you know. Um, I know there is a few more ones out there, but Vinted is really the only one I properly um use for that type of thing the other thing like you can look out there's like these kilo sales yeah like, like spend a certain amount um on a kilo and then you just weigh up, up the clothes and then that's what you pay um and i think they've done a few in belfast recently but like if people just like look out on instagram and facebook and stuff um they'll probably see that type of thing advertised but um it's all about like being proactive yourself mm. to look for these opportunities it's not like anyone's gonna hand you like a magic set of secondhand clothes so I think like everyone needs to kind of go and find their own kind of way of, of doing it because it works different for everybody depending yeah. on what they're looking for and I think that's the really tricky thing with like secondhand shopping or like thrifting for clothes is that the fast fashion industry will come to you through like loads of adverts. Like you're constantly bombarded by it. Um, like buy our stuff, here's our latest range, all that kind of thing. But like secondhand clothes won't come to you that quickly. Like it does require a bit of effort to go out and kind of look for the right stuff. Um, 
So like if you had to summarize what a sustainable wardrobe looks like, so like what are the most sustainable changes you've made to your wardrobe, would you say? Hmm. I think it's buying things that I actually love okay. and um, that I know I will wear more than once. Because the worst thing is having a wardrobe full of clothes that you've only worn once and you're like, I'm never going to wear that again because it doesn't fit right or because it like it wasn't comfortable. You know, when you're looking for things, you've got to take all these things into consideration. Don't just buy it. I'll just be like, oh, it's a wee bit tight, but I'll just like keep it anyway. Because you're probably never going to wear it. Mm. So it's like looking out for those types of things. Because I feel like people like do that type of thing all the time. And then it sits in their wardrobe for like three years. Um, but I definitely, I'm not 100% there yet. I still do sometimes get the impulses and buy stuff from ASOS and places like that. But I'm just trying my best that when I'm doing that, I'm choosing things that I actually love rather than things that I just look at once and be like, oh, I like that. Like I think about it for a little while. Mm. before I make a purchase yeah and I think that's important yeah because I was actually gonna ask you that in terms of like how do you know like what's the process that you have to go through to think yes no that's definitely something I'm gonna wear more than once because I've been guilty of buying things that in my head I was like yes that's so versatile I'm gonna wear that so much and I've worn it once and then I've kind of gone actually that's probably not me or it doesn't actually fit like how I thought it would fit so is it about knowing your style kind of taking time to think about it and actually like I don't know maybe think how you style it rather than just making that impulse look and go yes that's definitely so versatile hmm maybe um like for example I know I don't like jeans that aren't high rise Mm. so if I one day get tempted to buy mid-rise jeans, then, you know, I'm probably just going to realise the next day that I shouldn't actually have bought those. Like, that type of thing. Like, you maybe, like, try and decide what you what you know you already have and like mm. and how you can look for things that are similar but slightly different so that you can obviously have a bit more versatility. Um, I'm trying to think, like, what... Like, for example, the other day I... <laughs> posted on my story because I got these really cool koi print boots yes. and when they turned up they were they're so much higher than I thought they were going to be and I was like oh but they're so nice but I am going to send them back because I just know I'm not going to wear them so there's literally no point in me holding on to those I might as yeah. well just send them back um so it's things like that it's not just like holding on just on the off chance that it might mm-hmm. work out I think we're all guilty of doing that, aren't we? Just holding on oh, to yeah. something going, on the off chance that I'll wake up tomorrow and I'll feel differently about that. I guess then what you're saying basically is think about it before you buy it. Don't just see something yeah. and think 100% I'm going to buy that. Just like have a think, maybe have a think what you've already got and think how it's going to fit into your actual existing wardrobe. It's about controlling those impulses, which is the hardest thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, it's so hard. <laughs> So, so hard. Um, Okay, before I let you go, do you have any sort of final key tips you would give to people other than the stuff we already talked about if they kind of want to go down a more sustainable route with their fashion? Um, (laughs) I'm trying to summarise what I already said. Um, I think what you were saying, kind of like 
like trying to find your style and I know that's not an easy thing to do because I don't even know my style um but think about the things that you've had in your wardrobe for the longest Mm. and the things that you wear the most often and you'll slowly realize that that's kind of what's make what makes your style um not the things that you've worn to someone's birthday party one time or something you know so it's kind of about looking for the patterns in your wardrobe wearing colors you know make you look really good make you feel really good and wearing cuts of clothes that make you feel good like not things that make you feel slightly uncomfortable or whatever I think that's the most important thing in trying to be sustainable is like limiting to things that you know you're actually going to use yeah because it's that old I don't know if you've heard this before but I feel like I hear this all the time it's the most sustainable wardrobes the one you already own so I guess yeah once you find your style and you've got those pieces and if you love them all and you're going to wear them all then that is as sustainable as you're going to get because presumably if you love everything in your wardrobe and it's all super versatile super comfy and you feel great in it you're not going to go out and continuously buy more stuff yeah that is basically it summarized well done Flavia you've heard the <laughs> lesson today <laughs> that's great I couldn't have done it without you Abby honestly I don't think I'd have got to that conclusion on my own no it's been really great talking to you actually because we've had sort of um people talking about their sustainable fashion journeys before on the podcast but it was much more focused on the sustainability element of it whereas actually talking to you about things like finding your style and how going through that journey and ending up with a sustainable wardrobe is actually really good because I think in the society we live in, people aren't going to give up, you know, feeling good and looking good for the sake of having a sustainable wardrobe. So balancing the two is really important. So thank you very much for coming on and talking about your journey. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, it's no problem. Thank you for having me. So as usual, with me now is Emer Smith, and she's going to chat through some good news that's happened over the course of the last week. Now, the first bit of good news is actually something that we covered in the very first episode of the EcoScoop a year ago, which was when the Earthshot Prize was launched. Um, But this last week, or last weekend rather, it actually announced its first round of winners. Emer, do you want to remind our listeners what the Earthshot Prize is and what it's about? Yeah, so the Earthshot Prize, then, it's a global prize for the environment and it's designed to kind of incentivize um, change and innovation to fight against climate change. Um, so it's funded by the Duke of Cambridge Royal Foundation. And um, so then they fund then the prizes, I think, which is one million pounds for each of the categories, of which there are about five. Um, so on Sunday, it was the 17th of October, um, the first round of prizes were announced, as you said. Um, and so it's hoped that this scheme or kind of the the prizes will then run until about 2030 with five winners being announced each year and the prize is going to them um, so they can fund themselves to you know, further their development of ways and innovations to fight against climate change. Yeah. So like you said, there's five categories, which means there was five winners announced last Sunday. Um, and the five winners include a range of winners. So it's got cutting edge technologies, innovators and countries and actually cities as well. So let's work through each of the categories and you can tell us a little bit about each of the winners. So the first category is called Protect and Restore Nature. Do you want to tell us about the winner of that category? Yes. So the winner of this category um, was the Republic of Costa Rica. 
Um, so the prize is kind of given to a place that puts in outstanding efforts to like meet um, the challenge of protecting natural land and protecting the wildlife. Um, so Costa Rica won for its um, re- restoration of forests. Um, so its forests in 1990 were reduced to about half their former size, their original size. Um, but it's managed to double itself in size since then, um, just by programs put in place by citizens um, and such planting trees, protecting forests and just restoring ecosystems in general in their forests. Um, so um, that was the first prize anyways given out or one of the first prizes anyways. So um, the prize and the one million, I guess, will allow them to continue their work, um, share their knowledge and experience about kind of reforestation, which will no doubt be very valuable in the future yeah. um, as we see it come out in other countries as well. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, it's an issue in many, many, many other places other than Costa Rica. So hopefully they'll be able to use that and help other countries make a positive impact in their forests as well. The second category is called Clean Our Air and it was a company who won this award. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about the company and why they won the award? Yeah, um, so this company um, are from um, TAC. Takachar, uh, Takachar in India. Um, I pronounced that wrong. Apologies, probably. Um, but anyways, um, we move. So the winner comes from India, and they've developed a solution to help clean air. So a lot of India, um, they would depend on agriculture. So a lot of agricultural waste obviously comes, um, and it's burnt then in India, um, which then causes a lot of air pollution. Um, air pollution, as we know, can have some serious health effects, whether it's carbon, whether it's other gases coming out of it. So I think around agricultural waste in the likes of India, um, it can have like life expectancy um, impacts of up to a decade, uh, which can be quite devastating, as you can imagine. Um, so Takachar had developed a kind of a cheap, small scale portable technology that attaches to tractors and farms um, and cr- converts crop residues um, which would otherwise be burned into sellable bioproducts like fuel and fertilizer um, so it also reduces as well smoke emissions by up to 98 percent which will help to improve air quality which is absolutely amazing when you think of it like that sort of technology could be used um, in other countries and even in our own Northern Ireland Ireland the UK because um, we depend so heavily on farming so that's um, a brilliant um, kind of prize given out there for that one million there. Yeah, no, definitely. And hopefully it will allow them to sort of scale up their business and allow the sale of those little machines that they've developed to be sold to other countries. Because like you said, there's so many countries out there that have such a heavy reliance on agriculture that the benefits could could really be astounding. Now, the third category focuses on the seas and it's called Revive Our Seas. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the company who won that um, and, and what they did to win the award? Yes, so um, Revive Our Seas is, um, the winner of that was Coral Vita from the Bahamas. Um, so they are um, a company that, or an organisation that um, is restoring coral reefs basically throughout the Bahamas. Um, so ocean warming and acidification um, is set to destroy 90% of our coral reefs by 2050 if we continue on this trajectory. Um, so that would mean a quarter of marine life um, would die because they need them to survive and then the billions of like and millions of people who depend on the coral reefs and the um, ecosystems that go with it um, would also um, that would also be gone for them so I think it was a year after hurricane um, the hur- hurricane Dorian um, in the Grand Bahamas that Sam Tiger and Gator Halpern um, again apologies for mispronunciations of names um, launched um, launched the first facility in the Grand Bahamas um, 
so it meant um the experience of like the the hurricane um showed them like the climate emergency and strengthened the resolve to protect our reefs. Um, so they grow coral and land, which they then replant the oceans, which then gives life to the new ecosystems or the ecosystems that are there. So they grow coral up to 50 times faster on land than traditional methods. Um, and this then improves, or sorry, improves resilience and the impacts of climate change. Um, one of that's one of the things that's been talked about more is um, resilience rather than just stopping it because we know it's changing anyways. So yeah. um, so as well as restoring them, um, they work with local communities, um, public officials and private companies um, to improve education, create new jobs and build models to inject more funding into environmental protection. Um, so that sort of company um, is seen more and more. I was looking um, over the summer as well and Fiji have similar projects going um like reproducing coral reefs um so it's brilliant that it gives life not just the ocean but to coastal economies as well um and so that's a brilliant prize um for them to have won um and to fund themselves even more to further their research and further their development as well no definitely and i think small islands like that feel the impact of climate change more strongly and they feel it much sooner than other bigger nations will feel so it's really encouraging to see that you know these communities are taking it in their own hands and they're actually being rewarded for it as well and receiving funding which will allow them to expand the work that they're doing so it's really really great the the next one which is probably my favorite one um with is in the category of build a waste-free world so it's about dealing with waste and this was my favorite can you tell us a little bit about who won and why they won Yes, yeah, so it was the city of Milan, um, Food Waste Hubs, who won. Uh, so they've actually created a really um, brilliant system where it's kind of two problems into one. So it was launched in 2019 with the aim of having waste by 2030. Um, but it also then, by having that waste, it's redistributing food um, from supermarkets and companies and canteens to NGOs um, and to other companies who then distribute the food to the neediest citizens. Um, so we know that kind of a third of all food produced globally is wasted, which is a giant, giant proportion of food. Um, and the food system also creates about 25 to 30 percent of the world's total greenhouse gas emissions. Um, so hundreds will suffer food insecurity while there's so much of it going to waste so this is a brilliant initiative um, that's not only like um, environmental but also social as well um, so they're the first um, major study um, to kind of put an initiative in place um, so it comes public agencies food banks charities NGOs universities and private businesses um, so the, today the city has three food waste hubs and, and they each recover about 130 tonnes of food per year or 350 kilograms of food per day. So that's about 260,000 meals equivalent. Um, 260,000, yep. Um, which is absolutely amazing. And um, that's sort of a brilliant scheme that will no doubt benefit hundreds of thousands of people and hopefully continue in other places as well. Yeah, definitely. I think it's exactly what you said. I think this one's my favourite because it tackles... Um, an environmental problem in terms of you know a lot of food waste and the emissions that come from continuing to produce all this food that actually isn't all utilized but also that there's a problem with food security but I also love the fact that it's such a simple solution it is literally just taking stuff that's already there and just implementing a, a, a mechanism that means it goes where it needs to be rather than going straight into waste I, I really like that because it was so so simple now the final one is called fix our climate and that was another technology innovation who won that. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so this one is, um, they're in Thailand, Germany, Italy. So it is an organisation or company, um, AIM Elect 
electrolyzer. Um, so AIM electrolyzer technology um, by an inaptor um, is a renewable, creates, or sorry, transfers renewable energy and renewable electricity into emission-free hydrogen gas. So we've looked before in the programme um, about kind of hydrogen gas vehicles and the kind of growth of them as a means of cleaner transport. Um, so this company here have developed um, quicker and cheaper than once was thought possible the technology to, to create this fuel and for cars, planes, power industry and to heat homes. Um, so it's hoped that then with this um, kind of in injection of, of um, funding from the project that they'll be able to grow the team faster. Um, so it's a brilliant brilliant sort of thing that um there's kind of renewable fuels coming um, coming onto the market like this um so if there's faster technology for it too that'll hopefully make it more accessible for um the likes of a normal person as we go through um the next few years exactly and again the one million that they won will hopefully mean that they can scale it up and make it even more accessible to people so that this becomes like an actual real life day-to-day -day alternative for people which would be absolutely amazing now that's all of the Earthshot prizes which I think were amazing and it's so good to see that all this hard work is being recognized and, and hopefully it will give people countries cities organizations inspiration on the stuff that they can do to make a positive change for the environment but also to deal with some social issues like we saw but before you leave us do you have an animal-based good story? We, of course, we do have one. <laughs> Couldn't leave the programme without one. Um, so this one actually is very close to home for us here. Um, this one is about a seal this week. So there is a seal, um, some people might have seen it recently in the news, a seal was wandering around Belfast um, and Belfast locked with the Red Bull can in its mouth. Um, so it was going for weeks, I think, a couple of weeks, I think it was the 6th of October was when it was first seen. Um, and the lagging... Um, the Lagan Search and Rescue, the Harbour Police at Belfast Lock and a couple of other um, couple of organisations, Explorers Aquarium, a couple of other search and rescue and animal groups um, were out looking for the seal and they couldn't find it here um, and it disappeared for a while. But then it was found um, just a couple of days ago on the River Clyde in Scotland. Oh and God. the Ministry of Defence, I know, the Ministry of Defence were able to take it and take the red volcano out of its mouth. Um, so thankfully the seal is now recovering. And um, so that is our good news story of the week. So that's a lovely one. It's close to home and also just a gorgeous story. It is an amazing story. The missing seal was found and it is now free of the red volcan. It is absolute best story. Mm -hmm. I know it's lovely um, that as well the Ministry of Defence also put out a statement about people to be more careful with their um, dis like distribution um, getting rid of rubbish and stuff as well so that's another positive that came out of it as well it's not animally directly related but um, so it's nice to see that the Ministry of Defence is taking a kind of a step as well on waste management which is lovely too but yeah <laughs> I thought that was lovely and we could not leave it out of this week's episode at all. <laughs> no we couldn't and I don't think we can leave today's episode without reminding everyone out there who's listening to be very very careful with their waste and how they're disposing it to not just chuck away things like cans and stuff because wildlife does get caught up in it like we've obviously seen and it can be really distressing for them and you know they're not exactly that amenable to humans just coming up to them they feel you know threatened so it's actually not that easy to then retrieve them and you know save them from that kind of situation so please 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 everyone just be so careful about your waste and just make sure it goes in the bin so that it doesn't end up you know hurting a cute adorable little seal oh I know <laughs> there's so many things could go wrong little turtle either so many fish. things 
Dolphin. I did see, I did actually, whilst we're on the topic, I did see a seagull. This was ages ago now, but I did see a seagull in mm-hmm. Romo Park. And it had, you know, the six-pack cans, the little plastic ring holders. It had one of those around its neck. And obviously, I lunged for it, and it was like, what are you doing? And it just flew off. And I don't know if that seagull made it or not. I have no idea. But it broke my heart just to see it walking around with a little thing stuck around its neck. Yeah, I know. It's because it reminds you of Happy Feet as well. Back yeah. even when we were children, Happy Feet in the movie, the penguin with the thing around his neck as yeah. well. The same thing happened again. I know. So yeah. snip your snip your beer can things as you get them. Exactly. Snip your mask as well before you throw them in the bin. Um, any other quick and handy tips for that sort of stuff? Yeah, don't litter. But if you, whenever you're throwing stuff away, snip it, snip it, snip it. Your hair bubbles, exactly. everything else. So if it does yeah. get out there, nobody's going to get caught yeah. in it, basically. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, let's not move too far away from the positive note. We the seal was yeah. burned. It is fine now. It's recovering. It's a good story. Now, I think that's all we've got time for today. Um, I want to thank our guests for this week, Anima Smith, for bringing us the good news. Um, we hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll see you again next week.